What a beautiful bunch of people in this room. You're so beautiful. Not if anybody's telling you that today, but you are. So good to see you. So good to see you. If this is your first time at Fathom, welcome. We really do hope this is um, a place that you can call home, um, a place that you can come and grow in family, and a place you can come and grow in your faith. Uh, we believe God's really doing something um, significant uh, within our community today, and I believe that today is a very significant day in that, but um, it's just kind of the beginning. So if this is your first, second, or third time, take that connect card, drop that in the bucket towards the end of the service, and just give us an opportunity to become friends with you and start a relationship. And um, it, It's been a crazy couple of months, um, not necessarily for me personally, um, but it's been a crazy couple of months for our church body. It just has. There's been a lot of just kind of stuff going on in, in the life of our families, in the lives of individuals um, within this, this church community. It's just been a tough couple of months, and, and I, I've felt the weight of that because I know so many of you have been just battling through some really tough times, and your heart's been hurting, and the scriptures tell us to bear one another's burdens, and, and it tells us to rejoice when others rejoice and to mourn when others mourn. It also tells us to cast those cares at the feet of Jesus. And I do my best to do that. But there's just seasons in the life of a church where from this perspective, you can just kind of sense it. It's not just one thing. It's not just one person. There, there's, there's a whole kind of bunch of people, bunch of families, bunch of individuals that are fighting battles and really intense stuff. And, and I won't go into all that. But just to say there's been a bit of a weight on, on, I feel like, many of our families' lives. And I, it's, I've just been counseling and encouraging and praying so much for our body because I know that it's a season. And, and I really believe that in, in this moment, in, in this time, in this day, in this series, God's going to break some of that with one of those, that first song we sang. I love that they started with that song of just praise. Like, just a season of praise and not just a season of thanksgiving and being grateful, but a, a real understanding of why we are grateful and a real perspective changer um, in the life of us as a body. And uh, I think this is probably best described and illustrated to me by a turtle I saw outside a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but it's true. I walked outside. We have like this short, like little tiny little shotgun office. Sometimes there's four people working in the same office. Sometimes it's just me and somebody else. And, uh, but anytime we get a phone call, we, we got to walk outside. So I walk out on the phone a couple, like a week or, or two ago. Some of you guys may have seen me post online about this. But there's this turtle upside down. What a sad scene. Like he can't do anything to roll himself back over. And the, like I'm on the phone, I end up getting off the phone, I'm just, I'm staring at this turtle for a second. I'm like, I'm going to rescue him, I'm going to flip him over. But I'm just like, the Lord just kind of begins to speak to me like through this turtle. And you'd be like, that's weird, dude. I'm like, yeah, it was, but like it became very uh, apparent what the Lord was speaking to me. And so I turned this turtle over and just begin to kind of walk around for a couple of minutes and let the Lord speak to me about this poor little turtle. And uh, he had a little crack in his back and... Um, God just began to kind of relate that to what many of lives of, uh, of us in this community are going through and have been going through maybe over the past two weeks, maybe over the past two months, maybe over the past 10 years you've been going through it, or maybe you had this moment two years ago, or, or you'll have it two years from now, but that there's these moments in life where things get turned upside down. That turtle 
didn't ask to be turned over. Like, he didn't just roll all his turtle weight to one side and go for it. Like, there was some kind of predator. I mean, he has a crack in his shell. A turtle just doesn't crack his shell on his own, as far as I know. I'm not a turtle expert, as you can probably guess. Um, never met a turtle expert. But he didn't just flip it over. There was some kind of act of God or predator or accident that happened that he was flipped over. And the Lord just began to kind of, again, relate this to, to the body and, and just saying there's these times in life where we're just trucking along, you know, living life in the slow lane like the turtle, and things get turned upside down, and it's, it's a moment for the turtle in which it's shocking because he knows that in his own power he cannot turn himself back over. He cannot turn himself back over, and there becomes, there's a season of hopelessness that, like, how are we going to get this thing flipped back over and get back in the slow lane? <laughs> You're not the fast lane, the slow lane, it's the turtle. And um, I knew you guys would get that. I just had to explain it a little bit for you. And, um, but there's something significant about the process from when we're on our back and when we're rescued and flipped over back onto our feet. There's something that happens because when we're just living life and just kind of walking along and being like, there's a rock, and two hours later, two weeks later, there's that same rock because we're a turtle. When we're going along in life, there, we, it's just kind of seeing what's right in front of us. When we're flipped upside down, our perspective becomes fresh. The stars that the turtle never saw, he sees. And the cloud and the majesty of the heavens, he sees. There's a perspective change. And he gets a moment in all of his panic and, and being frantic and hopelessness where he begins to realize that I'm, I'm hopeless. The only thing, my greatest hope is that someone greater than me will come and rescue me. And I think that's the word for us today. Because as we're rescued, that turtle begins to cherish his life in a very, very important way. And uh, there's, I have a friend within this community and in this church that I talked to him and, and got to have dinner with him and he got to tell me his story. And I, I saw his personality and his joy. And, but when he told me his story and what he had lost at a very early age and family members, and how he'd begin to cherish life. There's something significant about those moments and when we're flipped back over that we see things differently. We've had an encounter that we didn't have before. We have a perspective we didn't have before. And that's what I want to do as we begin this new series is just bring us to the rescue moments and hopefully for us to begin to life, a, a, understand a life of gratitude and blessing that I think is really fully displayed in the Lord's Supper, in communion, in the Eucharist. And, and so when we talk about the blessed table, we're going to be talking this over this entire month of, about times when Jesus is at the table. And what we're going to find is that the table is extremely significant in biblical times. Tables are significant now. When I say a table, you think of food, of course, because we all love food, therefore we love tables, whether it's eating at the coffee table or eating at the, the dinner table or in the lap table um, as you're driving down the road. Meals have changed so much in, in, our, in, our, in our life. Uh, I mean, a hundred years ago, there was no such thing as fast food. 
Uh, that's shocking, I know. I, I mean, I just get this picture of like people on like a horse and buggy pulling up to like June's, Mama June's like fried chicken and like hoping to, where's the window? How am I supposed to go in? No, they, they got off, they went inside, they sat around tables. They, they didn't have fast food. And that, that's kind of become out of control, I think, in our society very much today to the point that every time like land gets cleared, we start getting excited like, yay, a new restaurant's coming to town and then it's a Wendy's and you're like, same story, <laughs> different day. And it's the truth. I mean, I mean, how many times have, have you had that hope in your heart and then it's that? Meals have changed so much. And uh, just for me and like my family, it's a very important time for us. Like four to five times a week, sometimes more, we're sitting around the table and having it. I mean, even if I have to be back at the church and, and I'll go home and I'll spend an hour driving just to spend 20, 25 minutes with my family sitting at that table because it's, it's a ceremonial time for us. And that's how they viewed it in the Bible. It was actually ceremony. It wasn't just kind of run in and like, I mean, think of how your meals go on a daily basis. Breakfast, grab the smoothie on the way out. Lunch, eating on the go for many of us. And then dinner, hopefully we'll sit down, right? That's just kind of our American culture. But uh, in their culture, it was so different. Meals were, were n- not just a vital kind of resource for nourishment, but there was something ceremonial and sacred about a meal. That's why there's so much conversation around when Jesus who Jesus eats meals with. He eats with sinners and tax collectors, and people were really thrown off because who, it was a ceremony. I mean, you usually ate with people of the same social class and the same sacred beliefs of whatever that was. And so when Jesus was eating with people of a different thing, it kind of spun people's brains. And that's why people were jockeying for position at the table. Like, no, and Jesus told everybody, no, take the worst seat and let me move you up. And we'll talk about some of those things as we go through here, some really beautiful moments that are, are pretty awesome as we look into Jesus' uh, different moments at the table. But today we're going to go to Luke chapter 22, and it's Jesus implementing the, the sacrament of communion, or the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper, or, you know, crackers and juice, whatever you want to call it. Um, it. It's the Lord implementing this, and I think my heart in this is that we would begin to understand that this symbol it is not just about to remember what Jesus did for us, but also what he's doing for us and what he will continue to do for us and complete for us. It's, it's not just a symbol to remind us of what Jesus has done for us, but a reminder of what he has done for all of us and bring us to just a great gratitude for the moment of rescue in our lives that changes everything about our perspective. So let's go to Luke chapter 22 and read about six verses here, kind of straight through. And then I've got a few things I want to share on it. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. That's how they did it. That sounds Asian to you, but it's a Middle Eastern, all kind of Eastern people. That's kind of what they used to do. I know what you're thinking, Jesus, why don't you just make some chairs? But it's much more comfortable to sit on the ground. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's, he's eating a Passover meal, which is important for us to understand. I won't dig into this in the depths that I could today, but certainly it's, the, it's, a, it's a ceremony every time the Passover came over. It was, a, it was the, part of the old covenant to remember when, when um, the plagues, when they were in slavery in Egypt, that uh, that God told them to, to kill a spotless lamb and put blood over their doorframe. Ha- and they, they became a Passover meal after that. And we'll, we can talk more about that as, as the series goes on. But ultimately, it, it's kind of a, a symbol of the old covenant. And what Jesus will do is eat this Passover meal. 
he'll consume the old covenant and establish the new covenant right before he does it, and it's happening before he goes to the cross. I've eagerly desired, remember that, he's eagerly desired to eat this with them before he suffers. Verse 16. Before I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, like he's got in his hand, he, ge- he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He's actually saying um, a Jewish prayer. He's saying a part of it, that the fruit of the vine, giving thanks for the fruit of the vine, is actually a part of a Jewish prayer that was very customary at this time uh, at Passover, verse 19 and 20. And he took bread, gave thanks again, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, Uh, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's all we'll read on that right now. We'll we'll get into some more text. I want to highlight really three aspects of the Lord's Supper today. We could talk for just hours and hours uh, about the Lord's Supper Supper and its importance in our our life, but I really want to highlight three things within this text that I think are, are, are something that Jesus isn't just pointing to to what he did, but he's wanting to point us to who he is, and, and who he is is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and, it, and it's not just for us, but it's, it's for everyone, and, and draw us into this. So the first thing I, I really notice before he ever begins to do this is he gives thanks. How many of you guys like pray over your meal? Don't raise your hand, because some people are like, I don't pray over my meal, and you'll feel like that, so you don't have to feel bad. There's actually parts of the world where, where Christians don't pray over their meal, uh, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, bad thing. I'm just saying there's parts where they don't, and they actually just like we believe that we live a life of blessing. Like we don't, we don't believe this. You know, Jesus said that the food's good to eat; it's all good to eat. And so some folks don't do that in other parts of the world. Other parts of the world, when they pray, they keep their eyes open. And like if you're like doing like this, and you kind of peek up, you're like, "Why are you staring at me, dude?" Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we have this American kind of cultural things, and uh, and then here, uh, even with with Jesus, he's the first thing he does is give thanks. Give thanks. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. How many of you guys love Thanksgiving? Okay. Those are my people. I love Thanksgiving. I love me some stuffing. I love some turkey and ham. I just love football. Like, what else is not to love about? I love just relaxing on the couch. Like, that is what Thanksgiving is all about. And family and family. So, um, (laughs) so, food, football, family. That is Thanksgiving, and that's that's what we, we love. We'll become very grateful, like in this time of year, we really will. And really, when I became uh, began to just implement it, like gratitude as a lifestyle was a transformational time in my life. And, and, and I pray that and I've seen uh, very much it's popular on social media where um, we kind of have this month of gratitude where we kind of post something we're grateful about, or we, I, I've seen others do a year of gratitude. And I love that because I know how powerful gratitude is in transforming our perspective. It is, and we can become grateful over many things. We have a lot to be grateful for. We live in America. You know, I mean, you name it. You can add your list of the things you're grateful for. But grateful for what Jesus has done at the cross should be the most, it should be the most powerful thing that we're grateful for in our life. And that should, we should never lose sight of that. And part of the Lord's Supper, the, the Eucharist, I mean, Eucharisteo, it, it actually means 
thanks. When we say he gave thanks, he gave, you, like in our translation, Eucharist. Like he gave thanks. That's what that means. It, this whole symbol, it's, it's, it's thanks. And so gratitude is at the heart of what it means at this, to come to this table and, and we just simply take the cross for granted. We, and not just taking the cross in that moment, but we take Jesus for granted and our access to the Father, we take it for granted because we don't, I mean, if you had access to the most powerful person in the world, like you name him who, who that is, or you had access to the richest person in the world or the wisest person in the world, if you had access to that person, like you'd feel kind of bad sometimes to like call them about things like, hey man, like kind of short on rent this month, bro, like could you... I know it's nothing to you, but like, I just feel bad asking, you know? I just feel, keep asking. We've got some friends that have like a, a hotel hookup, like they can give us really cheap deals, but sometimes we just don't want to use it because we, we feel bad about it, you know what I mean? Just asking too much, and I feel like, and we feel like that sometimes with God, but we don't have to. We don't have to. I mean, some of us might feel bad to go ask mom or dad, or mom and dad might not have it, so we know that that's a, a dry resource, but most of the time, we don't feel bad about asking mom, hey, mom, you got some cookies in the, in the fridge? Like, do you have some, you know, ham and cheese we can take home? That We don't feel bad about that with mom and dad. We shouldn't feel bad about that with the Lord to approach him with, with true gratitude and to, to ask him for what we need in this season, whatever that is. And so I think gratitude for our rescue is the biggest thing. Like, we, everything, it shapes all of our perspective. It shapes all of our perspective. Like, these kind of things that we go through in this life, we can always end it with, yeah, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but Jesus did this for me, and it just shapes our perspective in a really transformational way. Let's keep going, and let's build on this. I think the other thing I want to highlight to you is the aspect of, of the past, present, and future that Jesus talks about in this whole scene, where, what he's describing. The first thing is the past. He says, do this in remembrance of me. That kind of sounds like remember me, like when I go away. Remember me. It's a past kind of tense here. And remembrance is a powerful thing. And the the word here, anamnesis, is actually a word that doesn't mean just to remember, like I have a memory. Like I have a memory of that time where we used to throw the football and then so-and-so bought me lunch after. It's not just a memory of that it's more like for, for those of you in the house that you've maybe lost someone that you loved and you cherished. Uh, you remember back and you think about some good times, but ultimately when you view them, like you view them as a person. Like I miss, I, I don't miss all this stuff. I just want time with the person. And, and it's that type of memory of the past that Jesus is calling them to. And that's what the, the word means. It's not a re- recollection of just all the things that he's done, but it's a, a recollection of who he is. Remember me. Like, don't just keep going in your life in the busyness of the season in life and forget about me. We remember those type of things with our family and friends and loved ones that we've lost, and that's what Jesus is calling us to. Don't just remember, don't just get caught up in all the stuff that I'll do for you. Remember me. Remember the times we've walked together Remember the times we laughed together, we cried together, we got kicked out of places together? Remember those things. Remember me. That's the past part of it. And, and so I would ask you, like, just building on that idea of gratitude, like, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? For what he's done in the past. 
are you thankful, are you grateful for what he's done in rescuing us? I think he, it continues on. There's some very present tense in Jesus' speech. To him. I've eagerly desired to sit and eat this meal with you. He didn't just, while he was leaving, be like, hey kids, I mean, I'm thinking about this in like my realm, like, hey guys, I want you to do this, do this, remember me, like keep this tradition going. No, he's like, I want, I eagerly desire to sit with you and to be present with you and to establish this with you, to show the importance of it. I mean, other things about, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you. There's some very present tense of what Jesus is speaking here. That he's not, it's not just about what he's done, but it's also about what he's doing. And many times we can't see what he's doing, but we can always be looking for it. And that's powerful. It's powerful. To, to, sometimes we can't, we can't see what he's doing, but, but knowing that he's doing something, being aware that God is at work in us always is a powerful, powerful thing. And being grateful, God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I'm thankful for it. Like, this hurts a little bit, but I know, I know that you know the beginning from the end, and once you start, you'll finish. And God, whatever you're doing right now, I just know you're going to finish it. I know that you're doing, I, I can't see what it is, I don't understand what it is, but I'm thankful because I know that you're fighting for me, you're working in me, you're working through me. And just being grateful for the present, being grateful for what he's doing right now. We get so caught up in the past and the future and we miss the present, like our next series is called The Present, so I'm like setting it up, of living in the present time, right now. God's speaking to us, like, oh, I'll change that you know, I'll, I'll, I'll move in this direction. I'll obey the Lord when this happens, when that happens. I'll, I'll, we'll start this tradition down the road. Like, we've got to learn to be present and most importantly understand that the Lord is present with us and, and what he's, he's implementing here is not just something for back then, but it's something for us right now in this very moment to understand that his, his grace and love has been poured out for us. There's also the future tense. I will not take this cup again until... I'm with you in the kingdom of God till the kingdom of God is established. There is a future tense to what's being said here that it's not finished. It's not finished. It's not finished. How many of you guys want some things to be finished in your life? Some prayers you've been praying to just be finished. That'd be nice, like, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. Like, some things that we're just hoping for, we're longing for, praying, Lord, restore this, God, heal this, you know, help me with this situation, God, help it to come out. And ultimately, we've, we've got to know this, beginning to be grateful in advance. And I think it's a, it's a real foundational principle of trust in the Lord. It's a real foundational principle of trust in the Lord to be grateful in advance. I know the Lord's going to work it out. I mean, and we, can, we don't know how he's going to work it out, and I think it's actually better for us to not try to figure out how he's going to work it out, just to know and rest that he is going to work it out and thank him in advance. Some of you guys are working through this whole grateful and advancing. I'm like, I don't really get it. Let me give you two examples, and one is a bad example and one's a good example. This might be like if a, a coworker asked you out to lunch. They're like, hey, let me take you to lunch. And so in your brain, that's like they're buying. Sweet. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> Uh, in their mind, it's like, let me drive you to lunch, and we'll each pay for ourselves. And so on the way, um, you're like, thanks for lunch, man. And they're like, 
I'm not, uh, what? <laughs> like, I'm not buying your lunch. Like, we're, we had a, a miscommunication here. That's, a, that's not really the type of, of being grateful in advance, but more so with my son when he, he looks up to me, and I don't know that he's this, I don't know if he has his brain wrapped around this yet, but maybe one day he will, where he'll look up at me and say, Dad, thanks for everything you do for me. I don't know what we're eating tonight, but I know there's always enough, and I know it's going to be good. And it's that type of gratitude in advance. Like, I've seen you do it before. I know you're doing it now, and I know it's going to be good when it comes. And I can just rest and know and enjoy the ride and have joy on the ride and have faith on the ride and have hope for what the Lord is doing. And we don't have to... to because we become, become so bitter about unanswered prayers. Because they're not done in our time and they're not, they're not meeting our expectations because we had this idea of what it would look like and it's not looking like that. We've just got to rip a lot of that up. A lot of carnal expectations in order to allow the spiritual grace that the Lord has for us to, in living this life and walking out the purpose He has. We've got to rip up some of those carnal expectations and desires and say, God, I don't even want any of that. My heart burns for your presence. My heart burns for more of you. Help me be more aware of that. Help me to walk in the call that you've given to me. There's this past, present, future. It's not just about what he's done, but it's also about what he's doing, what he's going to do. That's what's happening here at this table. There's one other element I want to bring, and then we're going to read a a, a longer passage that I think kind of begins to tie some of this together. And we'll speak to us today. I believe it's unity. It says, take this, and divide it among yourselves. And we'll do that here in a few moments. We'll come to the table, broken from one bread and and poured from one cup. Um, And it's a powerful, powerful thought to understand that I'm not suffering alone. I've been doing a lot of counseling um, in the past week, in the past couple of weeks, past years, and the most comforting things that I can tell someone is you're not alone. And I can, sometimes it's phrased differently, like me too. I've felt that before too. And this may just be encouraging for someone today, but for you to know that you're not suffering alone, that Jesus has suffered, has suffered so that he would understand and in this moment we can identify with the pain that he's had. And it's a time when we exchange our suffering for his glory and his wholeness. It, it, it's a time when we realize that we, it's not just about us sitting alone in this room or, or in our bedroom or at work, but we exchange that loneliness for the oneness we have in Christ, the unity we have in the family of God. We remember that we don't even think back alone. It's like sitting around as a, the family of God, like we're doing today, sitting around a table saying, remember, remember Jesus? I mean, if we were with his disciples, like sitting there with him, thinking back in that realm, and we do that in our own way today. And we realize that we're not the only sinner that's been saved. And we realize that we don't transform alone, that you're not the only person that's in process. And we don't hope alone. We're not the only one that's looking forward to a day when everything's restored, when everything's made whole. You're not the only one <laughs> every time that comes up in like a counseling situation, someone's going through a hard thing, that's when the waterworks start. It does because there is something inside of us that longs to 
have not just communion with our Father, but to have communion with His family, with His sons and daughters. And and so many people have adopted the mentality, and we're missing it greatly. We're missing it greatly. We're missing it greatly. I've got like books on books that I want to write on this topic. We're missing it greatly if we think we can do this on our own. We, we get this mentality about it's us and Jesus and the people that God has put in our life to, to hug us, to encourage us, to re- rejoice over us, to be there with us, to mourn and rejoice. We, we've pushed them away, and the Lord is wanting to use his spirit through these people to embrace us, and he's wanting to use us in that way, and we miss it when we're not together at the table. But realizing that's what this brings us to, it, it's take it and divide it amongst yourself. There's this, this element here, I think, that Jesus wants to point us to, not just in that moment, but in this moment for us today. That there's a, a oneness of breaking the bread and pulling from one loaf and pour, pouring from one cup that we experience today. And it's not just the people in this room, it's all over. And we do, when we break bread, we break bread with Christians all over the world. But there's a powerful thought for us today when we come and we partake to, to come with the gratitude for what Jesus did for us at the cross. To, to not just remember what he's done, but to remember who he is right now and who he will be and not just what he's doing, but what he's going to do. To be grateful. Just to begin to be in a, a, a state and an attitude and a mindset and a lifestyle of gratitude. To really understand that it's not, it's not just about me, but we become grateful for the people around us that we take for granted as much as we take the Lord for granted. We take the people around us for granted. And I, I, my heart for us today is that we would go away grateful, not just for stuff and things, but we're, thank, we're more grateful for Jesus. We're more grateful for the people around us. When we hug, we hug a little tighter and we mean it a little bit more. We tell people we love them, we don't just say it, but we actually mean it, and that may sound like just mushy, gushy, like frou-frou stuff, but man, the Lord did some healing work on me when I began to understand this. And, and I didn't understand it just by like reading the word, and, and, and just for me personally, I received it by other people expressing it to me. And I looked in their eyes and I said, I want... I, I see, like, you actually mean it, and I want to mean it. And just some very honest times where I spoke to the Lord and just said, you got to help me mean it, because <laughs> I don't mean it. you got to help me care, because I just frankly don't. And it was in those times of honesty and brokenness that the Lord can really set our perspective on a new foundation, and gratitude is the core of that. I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 3 to close today. And then we're going to stand and pray. We're going to come to the table. We're going to do the table a little bit differently today. I'm reading out of Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read 17 verses. So buckle up. It'll be a couple of minutes. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. 
Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, slander, filthy language. The Lord's delivered me from all those things. Do not lie to each other. He's delivered me from that. So if you feel like you're, you, know, you can do all these, like I've been there, done that. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity a couple more verses let the peace of christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Will you stand with me today?